Hi, friends. Welcome to a very special surprise dropped episode of the That Sounds Fun podcast. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. And here with me today are two of my favorite pastors in Nashville, our pastor, pastor of the pod, Kevin Queen, and pastor of Ethos Church, Dave Clayton. In the last few weeks, you've probably heard me mention Awaken Nashville, which has been this 30-day journey going on in Nashville for, for people to fast and pray for revival in our city. And it has been incredibly special. And and Dave and Kevin kind of headed that up. You're going to hear a lot about it. But what's happened since this kind of became public is there were news features about it, articles about it. And a lot of people have reached out to Dave and to AwakenNashville.com and said, how do we do this in our city? And so I asked Dave and Kevin to come on the show for us and kind of tell you, no matter what city you live in, what would it look like to pray for your city? And how did Awaken Nashville start? Where did it come from? Why did it work? Did it work? And I think you'll be really interested in this conversation. So wherever you live, I hope you will enjoy this conversation with Pastor Dave and Pastor Kevin about Awaken Nashville. Gentlemen, Annie, welcome to the pod. What's up? Dave Clayton, you've never been on the show before. I know. I'm like so honored. Well, so. don't thank you, but it's it's more work. It's more work for you, but I appreciate it. It is so you nice to finally things. meet you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, do you know the truth about Dave Clayton? And then you can, I want y'all to tell me about each other, but first I'm going to tell you about Dave Clayton. Dave Clayton, when our pastor left, at, Dave and I were already friends because we have, we've had mutual friends in town for a long time. But when our pastor before you, Pastor Kevin, left Crosspoint, I bet once a week Dave Clayton asked me what I needed from a pastor, mm. Mm. even though he wasn't my pastor at my church. And yeah. I thought, well, what you don't know is now we're loyal for life. Yeah, you yeah. you pastored a person who didn't have a pastor, and I'm forever grateful. So you're, you're my sister. Yeah, you know, well, I, I just I love you. I believe in you. And thank you. I know that was a tough season. Yeah. So, well, you're really kind. Yeah. Tell me how y'all are friends. How are two pastors from two large churches? Because Dave is the pastor of Ethos Church, Nashville. Multi-site church. Kevin, you're the pastor of Crosspoint Church, multi-site church. How are y'all friends? Well, when I got to town, people kept saying, do you know Dave Clayton? Do you know Dave Clayton? Do you know? And I was like, no, I don't. And they're like, you should meet Dave Clayton. And and finally, somebody's like, hey, I will connect you guys through a text. And so I think it was a connection through a text. And yeah. after that, um, we met up. Um, my car was in the shop. So instead of meeting at the coffee shop, we had to quick adjust and, yeah. uh, and meet at the office. And we met up at the office that day, and that, that began a friendship. And, yeah. I, and I think we both kind of knew quickly, like in the conversation that, man, this is, this is kind of, this is a relationship that God has, has given us. Yeah. Is that what you, what'd you think after y'all's first conversation? This is like couples month all over again. <laughs> <laughs> y'all just keep telling us about yourselves. <laughs> you know, it was, it was crazy. We spent like the first 30 or 40 minutes just kind of, you know, just shooting the breeze. And yeah. then there's this moment where, you know, I realized he had a heart for revival. I started mm-hmm. seeing his bookshelf, literally. It's like, yeah. oh, my goodness, I've got those books. And I don't, you know, none of my friends have those books. And yeah. so we just kind of started, and it's like there were two halves of the conversation. The first half was, hey, let's just kind of find out, uh, you know, who we are. And then all yeah. of a sudden, you know, I remember getting in the car on the way home talking with Sydney and my wife, and I said, I think we're going to be really good friends. I mean, really? literally, like leaving the parking lot of the, <laughs> of the church. Yeah. I'm like, man, we're going to be such good friends. And I just knew it. And yeah. It, and it's been true. And it's it's kind of like God's microwave the friendship. Yeah. Know? So it does feel that way. We've only been friends for a year, but I feel like I've known him for a decade. So yeah. Tell me why you love revival. Man, yeah. You when know, did that start? I don't know when it started. You know, maybe five or six years ago. 
you know, we were pretty early on into our church plant. Everything was going great, you know, at least by human standards. It was all up and to the right. And But I realized, you know, even though things were going good and things were growing, the city was just so outpacing what we were seeing happen. Interesting. And I just remember thinking one day, I was driving home, and I thought, man, God, if if this was, you know, a physical war, like, uh-huh. it, you know, and if, if and if Jesus was asking us to take a city, I'm like, man, we could never take it like this. I mean... There, there's no way we're going to fill every nook and cranny with the glory of God if we do it by ourselves and if we go about it in our own strength with processes and strategy and all that. And so it was in that season that God started kind of burning this, um, I just think, this desire in me uh, to see like the transformation of a city, not just uh, the filling of a church, mm-hmm. which is two totally different things, you know. And so that angst started to kind of burn uh, in Sydney and I. And about the same time, God started inviting us into to a lot of global context, we spent uh, kind of a, a big chunk of about two years, our whole family working in other countries with other leaders from tons of different nations. And it was in that season, everywhere we went, uh, we just started tasting um, the dream that God had put in our heart for Nashville. And uh, it was actually mm-hmm. on a spiritual retreat about five years ago uh, as the angst was beginning to burn right before we started going into the, some of these global settings. Yeah. That the Lord said to us, He said, Dave, your next season of ministry in the States, you're going to learn from the global South. Oh, wow. And I'm like, I don't know anybody in the global South. Like, yeah. How's that going to happen? What do you mean? And so God just started opening the door just kind of piece by piece. But He, he put the burden there mm-hmm. uh, long before he, he opened the doors. Um, and so I don't know exactly how long, but probably five or six years. Yeah. Kind of that hunger for revival. Kevin, can you give a definition to revival? It feels like a church word we use a lot, but we're going to talk about it a lot in this show. Mm-hmm. What's a revival? Yeah. I, I mean, I think in the easiest terms, it's when um, when something that is dead or not not alive, right, yep. ends up finding new life. So when a church comes to, to life, mm-hmm. when the life of God is on a church, so it's not just a church, it can start, it starts with a person. Mm-hmm. And so when a person is revived, when when the the normal Christian life, right, or what kind of what we see around us, when, when the life of God comes on that and, and begins to be um, not normal. So I think it happens personally before it happens um, mm-hmm. in, a, in a city. And oh, so okay. I'd say like a person, and it happens in a marriage when a marriage is revived and when yeah. a small group experienced the life of God mm-hmm. um, on it. And then you get, you see a church, a church that that where there's not life, where the Spirit of God moves. And I think it is normal Christianity. I think it's the biblical Christianity, sure. the, the, way that, uh, the way that things are supposed to be. But then I think when it goes beyond that, like, in a city, I think it's community transformation. So I think it's it can be talked about, but I think when we go back and look historically, um, we see like what happened in Wales in 1905, yeah, where where an entire nation is is changed mm-hmm. by the by the power of God, mm-hmm. and um, and so the stories of of you know judges putting on white gloves because there are no more cases to try and police yeah. officers are bored because you know violence is down and entire and, soccer games canceled yes yes people because wouldn't people leave church wouldn't leave church yeah. and then when they do have soccer matches people are singing worship songs you know in yeah, the soccer, in the soccer. Yeah. so i think it's just it's the life of god on a people and you know what's great about that 1905 one is there were already newspapers and there were already cameras mm-hmm. and so we're not hearing these like there's old time story. You're like, no, no, no. Like, just go read the London Times. Right. It's like reporters from all over the UK were going to Wales to write about this. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you can read all of it. 
Yes. It's awesome. Yes. And, and I think when we get a picture of it um, and then get, begin to imagine, I think that, that I've heard said prophetic imagination, like just begin to get a picture of what that looks like mm-hmm. in our, in mm-hmm. our context. And I, I love the way that, um, that you've led people in that conversational revival anywhere where, um, can you talk a little bit about that where you, where you were talking with some people and, and helping them get oh, the snapshots? Yeah. 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 Did you have heard the story, Dave? We, it's some friends and I were talking about revival and I just said, it, because I think part of the we think revival just looks like a stadium being filled, yeah. And I think it is. I mean, I think if you look back historically on revival, you can trust what history says revival looks like, which is people coming to Christ in mass, mm-hmm. and that is what we want for our city. But also, um, I think like Kevin was saying, there's moments of revival. So I said, if God took you to revival for ten minutes and you could take one picture, tell us what that picture would be. Oh, that's good. Come back and tell us because it's just like Caleb. And Joshua, mm-hmm. uh, when they went into the promised land, they could only bring back one mm. one bunch of grapes, but there were a lot more grapes. But they grabbed the one kind of fruit they saw. That oh, didn't mean that good. was the only fruit. Yeah. Right? So then our the group of friends, we all kind of sat around and went like, it'd be a picture of me and my mom being restored. Mm. Or it'd be a picture of... Uh, I, one friend said... It'd be a picture. That's not my story. My mom is and I are fine, but that was what one story was. But then someone else said, um, "I see all these kids singing in a field," and I was like, "Okay, I believe you." Yeah. Like you know, and so then it just kind of gave gave us all these like, "Oh, his, we should trust history of what God has done in the past. We want Him to do again." Also, revival is going to look like something in your life. Mm-hmm. So it has been it's been cool. Yeah. And I love that that you're talking about just large groups of people coming coming to Jesus. And you talk you talk about what revival brings, and then awakening is even bigger than that. So revival starts in the church, mm-hmm. then awakening happens across the ah, region. So okay, awaken, okay, okay. awakening is just that. That's pressure. a good distinction for me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So when you think of awakening in a city, you think of just I mean, we're talking about thousands and tens of thousands, and even hundreds of thousands yeah. of people coming to faith historically. And, More uh, backsides than chairs yeah, in churches. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, yeah, I love that. And, and we're talking about all the churches um, yeah. experiencing that. So it's yeah. not just one church, but awakenings when all the churches, yeah. uh, when all the boats rise. You know? mm-hmm. yeah. So. I've been out on the road during this last few months, and, and I keep accidentally talking about Awaken Nashville, mm-hmm. just because it feels like something I've never experienced or heard before. And so people ask me tons of questions, and y'all have been getting tons of questions as well. So I thought, what if we just got around microphones and y'all just talked about Awake in Nashville, kind of telling what it's been like for us, but also I haven't met a person who didn't say, well, I want to do that here in whatever their city is. So can we talk a little bit about how did you even come up with Awake in Nashville, this idea? So tell us what it is and tell me how you came up with it. So Awake in Nashville, it is a, it's this citywide movement of prayer and fasting that has, it, it's had more than 410 churches really about 420 churches that have committed for a month to pray for every person in the city of Nashville by name, and then to write them a handwritten note telling them how much they matter to Jesus. Mm -hmm. So in the most basic kind of, hey, what is this thing? It was a month-long journey of prayer and fasting, but we really believe there's a lot more than that, that it's this this thing that God's stirring up. And so it it began really a couple of years ago, kind of that heart for revival that we were talking about. Sydney and I came back from our, our time overseas, and we started really feeling this you know, we saw historically that before every great awakening, before every great revival, there was this moment where the people of God got really serious about prayer and fasting. Okay. And it, you could just see that just kind of across human history. Yeah. And so we came back and thought, man, we've never really done that. Our church would pray and fast for a day or two here and there, not very strategically. 
Um, not very intensely, but we thought, okay, God, you're asking us to do this. And so about three years ago, we started calling our church into these kind of month-long journeys of prayer and fasting. We started tithing our year in prayer as a church. Brilliant. And, uh, That's a great way so, to call it, tithing your yeah. year. Yeah. So we just thought we're going to give the first fruits. We took At the time, we took one of our, our most popular Sunday worship services and turned it into a prayer gathering. You okay. Know, we started taking the first month or two of the year, and we'd pray and fast in a lot mm-hmm. of other ways. But we thought, God, we're going to get really serious about this. And so it was last year, about two years into that journey, in the middle of our month-long kind of yearly fast, where one morning I was up praying for our boys. We have three little boys, eight, six, and four years old. And I was praying for my youngest son, Judah, who at the time was three. And I was praying for him. And as I was praying, that just the Spirit of God, uh, just it's the only way I know how to describe He just started speaking to my heart. And he said, Dave, if your youngest son, Judah, were to go missing, what would you do? Mm. And I said, Lord, you know exactly what I'd do. I'd spend the rest of my life looking for Judah. Yeah. And he said, Dave, your city is filled with my missing kids, and the church has quit looking. And <sighs> I want you to wake. Dang. I want you to wake up the search and rescue teams, and so that that kind of sat with me as a Wednesday morning, almost exactly a year ago. Oh uh, I told Sydney, didn't tell anybody else. On Sunday, four days later, I was at our our weekly prayer service, and so uh, I was there that night. Didn't really want to be there. I was t- yeah. I was tired. It's the yeah. end of the day. I'd preached like five times. I thought, man, I don't want to be there. Yeah. But I'm the pastor. I have to go. So I show up, and we get to the end of the prayer service. One of my friends, a guy named Tom. He comes up and he said, Dave, I don't know if you know this or not, but it's did you know it's possible to get a list of every person that lives in the city of Nashville? And uh, I said, no. And he said, I think you're supposed to get that list. I think you're supposed to, to lead us in prayer. Well, right after the Lord had given me that, that vision about Judah four days earlier, I kept praying into it. And he just kept giving me this phrase, hey, raise up a strategic intercessor yeah. on behalf of every name, every neighborhood, every nation. So for four days, yeah. that phrase, every name, every neighborhood, every nation, was going through my mind, and then I show up at prayer, and Tom says, "Hey, did you know you could get a list of?" <laughs> yeah. And, and that was the moment where I just said, "Okay, God, we don't know how we're going to do this." Yeah. And and honestly, for about four or five months, we didn't do anything with it. Yeah. S- Sydney and I just kind of kept it close to our chest, and we thought, "How do we do this? This is nuts." And two or three times a year, she and I will get away for a prayer retreat, just the two of us, and we'll just ask God, "Hey, here's our life, blank piece of paper. Do you want us to keep doing what we're doing? Do you want us to start over?" And that's just a rhythm that we have. And so we're yeah. at one of those retreats, and, and it was July 27th of this past year. And the Lord said, hey, there's this thing I told you to do that you haven't moved on. Mm. I want you to move on it. And so, and we, by then, you and Kevin are already friends. Yeah, we're already friends at that point. Yeah. So, so we came back, and, and it was like, okay, here we go. Uh, we're going to do this. And so that was the, that's kind of the way that it got started. You know, God put this heart for revival in us. We didn't know how to bring about revival. We know it's only God. We saw prayer and fasting, started doing it in our marriage, with our friends, in our church. And then it was in one of those seasons, like two years in, where God said, hey, I want you to do this for a city. Yeah. And we began to realize, man, uh, you know, I went out and got the, the list of names, and I thought, this would take our church a decade yeah. you know, to, to pray for all these people. Yeah. And, and the Lord said, I never asked you to do it. I said, wake up the search and rescue teams. Like, wake up wow. the churches, not just yours. And wow. so uh, I sat down with Kevin. I'm like, hey, <laughs> So I've got this idea. I remember he came to me. He was like, Dave Clayton's got this idea. <laughs> I'm like, hey, you want to do this? And and uh, he's like, you think we can get, get another church to do it too? I'm like, yeah, I think we could probably get a few. And then God just started opening the doors. And yeah. it's, it's been it's been crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. So now, you know, 400-something churches just got done doing this. Yeah. Kevin, why does it matter that you pray for a city like that? Mm. Well, I, I think, you know, when you take prayer and fasting, those two things together— Fasting has a way of um, of causing us to be more in tune with the heart of God. Yeah, you know, no we're question. taking something yeah. that we love, which is food, and we're saying, "No, there's something that I love more, and there's something that I want more than that." So I think when you take that 
this, which in our cultures, fasting is is really hard and it's really crazy. And uh, but I think there is this collective energy that comes like when you're fasting with other people, yeah. especially when churches are leading into fasting for the very first time. When you realize, hey, we're not the only ones doing this. There are other churches that are that are part of that. So I think you know I believe prayer is the most powerful and effective force on the planet. And I think that our prayers, like the shelf life, is forever. Yeah. You know. So when we pray for other people. Um, by name. And I think our, our prayers affect the hand of God and Him yeah. working in people's lives. So I think that's the greatest gift we can give to for another person. Yeah. And even for a stranger, we're connecting we're connecting our prayers with God's work in their life. And we might not know till heaven, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Till, mm-hmm. It might not be till heaven to we're able to connect the dots yeah. you know, with, with what, what's happened. But, um, but, but every single prayer matters over every single name. And there wasn't one fasted meal that didn't affect things, yeah, you know, that's right. in the spiritual. So, so it is, and I think for people to know who are doing things for the very first time. I mean, we even have people who, who didn't yet believe in God. So I I'm going to give it. I'm going to give this a try. <laughs> I thought that was so funny that people who weren't even Christian yet oh, were yeah. fasting. Yeah. I mean, I was like, won't the Lord do it? Won't He yeah. just mix up somebody's story like that? I thought that was so funny. Right. And we think maybe as pastors and as leaders, we're like, oh, this is like a 401 exercise, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. right. And then we've got people who are just who aren't even in the faith That's yet, right. going, hey, okay, one on one, yeah, yeah, one on one, yeah, Dave. Tell me before I would love for us to kind of say to people in other cities, here's the first, here's if you want to do something like this, here's how we do it. But first, will you tell me like what's been your favorite story you've heard already? Because I mean, the stories are just they've been pouring in. Oh man, yeah. There, I mean, there's been so many stories. Kevin told a really cool story you know last week in a sermon about a guy who showed up at church at a church building on a Wednesday afternoon and just said. I've got to get right with God. Yeah. And he found this church, shows up, gives his life to Jesus, gets baptized that night, kind of this crazy moment. And then two days later, he dies unexpectedly. Yeah. And it's just this crazy, like kind of tragic moment. And then his whole family shows up the next Sunday going, hey, we've got to fi- find the guy that led our our dad to the Lord. And, and, and then we had the joy of finding the people that have been praying for him. Because he was on someone's list. He was on somebody's list. Because everybody who signed up got a list of 15 names to pray for yeah. and addresses. And, and so y'all found the people whose list they were on. Yeah, we found, he's on two lists. We found one of the one of the people. Oh, my gosh. And, and so just crazy. What you, happened you know, when you told them? She's just blown away. Yeah. Just, just going, man, all month long, you know, this mom, several kids that yeah. had a pretty crazy season, but she just said, hey, I'm going to get up every day before anybody in my family, I'm just going to pray. Yeah. Just praying over those names. And so, you know, the stories like that... It got, and then didn't his whole family come to Christ? Yeah. 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 It's just shifting... Unreal. Just shifting eternal, eternal realities. Yeah, I, that's I think right. about a... Um, I, I got a note the other day from a lady who said, you know, her husband had been battling suicidal tendencies and had gone into the into the psychiatric ward and had, mm-hmm. had this really difficult weekend, you know, and he gets out and he's coming back from... Uh, that that kind of traumatic experience over the weekend, and driving home on Monday, they have a car crash, and he's fine. He lived, but it was a pretty bad car crash, and just devastated. He thought, "Man, I'm worthless. Yeah. You know, I can't get anything together. I wrecked my car on the way home." Gets back, opens up his mailbox, and there's this postcard, and the lady writes in it, "Your life matters to God." Oh my God! And just broke this dude's heart wide open. Yeah. And and just you know, just story after story after story where people go. Man, the timing, you know. Mm. I think about one of my friends that I've been walking with for a decade. He calls me this morning and goes, man, listen to this postcard. It's like somebody's been following me around. Like You're lying. No, and it's just it's just stuff like that where I go, 
you know, the Spirit of God, He's just... He's at work in mysterious ways, yeah. and it's just been, it's been so cool. Because for every all the every person that we prayed for, there was a postcard included that we could mail to them. You sent us, you, yeah. we got in the in a packet, we got that list, some prayer direction, a thirty day devotional, yeah. and fifteen postcards to mail. Yeah, and I said to Kevin the other day, Dave, I haven't even said this to you, but I said to Kevin like as I was writing my letters, I was like. I am really sad to say goodbye to these 15 people that I do not know because I have said their names every day for 30 days. It's crazy. It's it's weird how you... Yeah, so then you write them a note and you're like, I'm, I guess I guess we're done you can, you can keep praying. I'm going to. Yeah, yeah. I didn't throw away. I didn't burn my list, but I was like... <laughs> Set it on fire. But it does feel different when it ends. It does. When you go like, oh, yeah. I don't have direction to pray for you every day. I don't know if I'll ever know you, but I'm going to miss you mm. because I've been praying your name That's every so day. That's so cool. So um, you were going to say something. No, I'm just, uh, Dave, can you talk a little bit about um, like what, when when that packet was put together, like, you know, there was the book that was in there and the uh, and the devotional guide. Like what was the, what's the purpose of the right, devotional co-host. guide? Let's go. Yeah. No. Let's go. <laughs> You've been on here enough times. You're the pastor. We call him the pastor of the pod. So he's been on here enough times. He's got the quote. Yeah. So the packet y'all made that you yeah. passed out to everybody. Yeah. You know, so I, I kind of think of this, this moment with my boys, we, they, there's this river we love going to. And it's got these stepping stones across the river. And so my two oldest sons, they, their legs are long enough where they can jump between the rocks. And so mm-hmm. one day we're out there and they're jumping be- between the stones. And my youngest son, who thinks he can do whatever they can do, he tries to jump and his legs are too short. So he falls on the water. Yeah. And, and I'm just watching this from the side of the river. And I'm like, what are they going to do? And my, my oldest two sons do exactly what an eight and a six-year-old should do. They start laughing at their brother. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And they're making fun of them. And I'm like, come on, guys. Like, what should brothers do? <laughs> And my oldest son in that moment, I mean, when I said, hey, what should you do? He goes over to the side and he gets this huge rock and he goes and he puts it in between the stones, in the wow. stepping stones. And then my other son came and started doing that. And I went, that's what you do. Yeah. And it was this, it was kind of this like, this moment for me where I went, gosh, man, that's kind of cool because he didn't that, carry him. It's like, it's like that, that's a, a picture. So, so the job is for those yeah. that are farther along to go, how do we make sure that everybody can make the step across? And so mm-hmm. when we're... When we were thinking about this, we are going, man, um, as Americans, we don't tend to, to fast very well. Mm-hmm. It's kind of against everything. You know, we live in a, you know, it, it's like all about self-satisfaction. So yeah. self-denial goes against the grain. Um, we don't tend to pray uh, very well, and we especially don't pray for others very well. Um, a, a lot of prayer that happens in America is very me-centered, self-centered, mm-hmm. not kingdom-centered. And so we're going, okay, man, there's some gaps across this river. Like if on the other side of the shore is the awakening and all of these folks are over here, and man, that's what they really want. They don't know mm-hmm, it yet. Mm-hmm. How do we put enough stones across so that everybody can walk with us? And so we literally sat down, and I started thinking, okay, you know, for the most type A person, what would they need to know? Yeah. For the guy in the back row that's not a follower of Jesus, but he comes because the girl that invited him, invited him is beautiful, and he wants to just be around her. Yeah. Like, how do I give him a next step? Yeah. You know, for, for the mom that has prayed for her son for a decade, but he still hasn't come home to Jesus yet— how do I help her walk through this? And so that it was just questions like that. We started thinking about real people in our life. We started thinking about the thing that they all want, which is awakening, even if they don't know it. That's right. It's what we all want. Nobody, I've never talked to anybody, hey, Annie, what do you want in church? Well, I would love a nice short message in a song that does not impact my life. <laughs> right. You know, right. Um, it's like everybody is looking for just the, the transformation mm-hmm. of the soul. Mm-hmm. And, and we're going, okay, that's what they want. So how do we just give them, how do we eliminate some of those barriers, make the bar as low as possible? So yeah. it's kind of how we, just a bunch of questions. Yeah. 
so and, then and you started working on it. And so then in the packet was t- go through everything that was in the packet. Yeah, so in the packet, you know, each packet was unique. And so which is uh, crazy. Which logistically took a little bit of work. But, yeah, I believe it. But um each packet had basically an, an instruction sheet that said, hey, this is what it is, when it is, where it is, and how you do it. Yeah. And then it told about the resources. It told them the three things they needed to do to get ready for the fast and three things they needed to do every day once it began. And yeah. so just really simple. So instruction sheets there were 15 blank postcards. There was a list of 15 unique names, just first names and addresses. Uh, there and was, how do you get those? How do you get the list of everybody in your city? So it's funny because everybody's like, man, that's crazy. How do you do that? And I go, the phone book. Yeah. I mean, it's all public. So what we did, we worked with a legal team to be really wise, but yeah. it was just all public information. So anybody that was unlisted, we kept them unlisted. We didn't yeah. buy any information. Everything was legal, free um, I just tell everybody, it just takes a little bit of hustle. So, yeah. So it's there. It just took forever. To like, you know, not, it just took a lot of volunteers, yeah. like, yeah. you know, getting the information. And so um, so a list of 15 names and then a couple of resources just to help people. So one was a short resource on, okay, why do you fast? How do you fast? What are some next steps? And then another, just a daily prayer guide with some points. Here's how I pray for myself because, you know, revival starts with me. And then how do I pray for these people that I don't know? Because, you know, we didn't want, you know, 40,000 people sitting across the city just reading names as fast as they could. Jesus, please bless, you know, any Kevin Dave, I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, how do you you disciple people? I love that part, Dave. To pray for somebody they don't know. And so we just, how how do we make it simple? So that's the goal. Yeah, you did it. I mean, I I was, and even giving us like a, here's what you should write on the postcard. Here's what you shouldn't write on the postcard. Here's an example. I was like, well, won't Dave Clayton show me how to do everything. Uh, can people, is Awaken Nashville, can they go download things so they can, how do we, how can they see what you've already made? Yeah, so you can go to awakennashville.com yeah. and there's a resource page you can click on. You can download some things. Uh, one of the things we're wrestling with right now is the what's next. Yeah. And so I don't want to make any promises or say sure, anything, sure, but sure. We, we've had we've had folks from well over 100 cities reach out and say, yeah. hey, we want to do this. And so... One of the things that we're working on right now is how do we equip people? Like how do we yeah. how do we give some insight into the process? How do we give you the resources? We don't want, you know, kind of through this whole process with even the churches that came on board, we said, hey, listen, you don't have to do this this way. Yeah. Like we could care less. We're not trying to roll out a program or a brand. Right. You know, we're just saying, hey, this is a way that we're doing it. If it's helpful, do it. If it's not, don't do it that way. Yeah. But but we didn't want people to feel inspired to do something that they were unequipped to step into. That's good. And so our goal is to say, hey, here's something to try. And so uh, our goal is to to figure out, hey, how do we put this in people's hands? But yeah, right now they can go to the website and, and, and get it, some so of those forever, resources. no matter what other resources you offer, if they go to Awaken Nashville, there will be direction to help them yes, yeah. find things in the future. Yeah, if they listen it. to this in six months and y'all y'all have some sort of downloadable thing that is helpful for any city, that's it. they can always go to Awaken Nashville and they will find it. Yep. Why 15 people? Why do we need to pray for people by name? How come you can't just say to a city, all right, Charlotte, North Carolina, split up neighborhoods? Well, it, you, you probably could. So I don't want to say you couldn't, okay. you know, and I'm, I'm sure God, I'm not being bossy. Yeah. I just was asking. So no, y'all can do it however yeah. y'all want. Yeah. Charlotte, I ain't the boss of you, Charlotte. It's like, dang it. I wish we would have thought of that. Like <laughs> that list took forever. I should, That's right. <laughs> uh, no, you know, for us, a very specific part of the calling in the vision for us was God said, I want you to raise up a strategic intercessor for every name. Mm-hmm. That's what came in that first vision. Yeah. Every name. And, uh, and I thought, man, Lord, every name. And he said, yeah, I know every name. 
Mm. And, there, and there's some people in your city who their names have never been uttered off of anyone's lips before the throne room of heaven. Like, yeah. I grew up in a great house. People prayed for me before I was born, after I was born. I prayed for my kids. There's people in our city that no one had ever said their name out loud before God. And Gosh, that's unreal. And it's just crazy. And so the reason we picked it, the reason we did names was just because it was a directive. Yeah. Um, I don't yeah. know that I would have thought of that, honestly. We've yeah. done prayer walks. We've walked around the city. We've done neighborhoods. We've done that as a church for years. But the name piece, that's why we got to the names. Yeah. Why do you think that matters, Kev? You know, I think it, especially when we can kind of get in our um, our cow paths, mm-hmm. our normal routines mm-hmm. in life, um, when we're praying for people from a different part of town, and you can tell from their name, they're yeah. from a different ethnicity. Um, yeah. I think there's just something to a, and really what revival brings, you know, revival brings all the best things that we want. So we talk about racial reconciliation and unity when revival takes place, that you get that too. Yeah. And so, um, so I think part of caring for people deeply, and I remember just, you know, praying for somebody on my list not really know if I'm pronouncing their name. You know, I think when yeah. Jesus intercedes for us, you know, the I first think he's, thing going, he does. he's going, Father, what he really meant was, <laughs> yeah. you know. Y'all know <laughs> you know his name, Father, because you know Kevin Queen did not say it right. Yeah. Said it wrong for 30 days. That's right. I would, that guy's going to walk up to me in heaven and go, my name is pronounced. Yeah, that's right, right, right. <laughs> but um, but I, I think, you know, I think that it it helps make take a big city and make it smaller. And the other part about it is, man, you're going, you're walking down the street or you're at the mall, you're driving down the road and you see somebody, you're like, you don't know, that could be the person that you're yeah. that you're praying for. Yeah. So yeah. I love that. That's yeah. one thing I saw different in me is that like the waiter at True Food told me she was pregnant. Mm. I asked her about her nails. I, you know me and nails. I was like, your nails are so cute. And she's like, well, I had a baby reveal yesterday. I'm having a boy. And my brain starts thinking about revival. Wow. And I went like, she didn't have to tell me that. Mm-hmm. And so I think part of what Awaken Nashville has done for us is opened our eyes. Oh, yeah. Where conversations like that before that held no weight now hold weight. Yeah. And you go, oh, I'm going to see her a lot because I eat her a lot. And <laughs> I'm going to see that baby growing her and I'm going to get to ask her and I can hand them a Jesus Storybook Bible in three, in three months. And, you know, all of a sudden I care about her. Yeah. yeah. Because oh. I've been praying for 30 days for our city. And I go like, oh, all of a sudden I care about that true food waitress mm. and I'm going to, I'm going to follow up and I know, you know, and I don't know that I'd have done that in December, yeah. but I did that in January because you told me to pray and fast. Man, that's cool. And so, so how many people do you think across our city prayed? Well, you know, we have more than 40,000 people that oh said they were gosh. in now, you know, who knows? Sure, sure, it, sure, sure. But more than 40,000 people and yeah. they each had 15. So that's like. Yeah, a lot of people. A yeah. A lot of people. Yeah. And, and it was so cool, even just the way that God was in the details, because we had to make so many decisions before we knew any answers. Yeah. You know, so for instance, we have this list, and I go, you know, we've got to break this list up, and we don't even know how many churches are going to be in and how many. And so we just started asking God, hey, God, tell us how many people to put on the list. Come on. Tell us how many packages Strategy. to print. Tell yep. us. And the Lord would just give us 15. Yeah. You know? And he just he was directing us. And I yeah. could just tell you story after story of... Just details that, I mean, God was just in the details. Yeah. Dave, so talk for a minute. I mean, I think, like you say, the Lord told me, what is, what does that mean for people? You know, when you say the Lord gave us direction, what does that mean for the person listening that's going, man, I got decisions to make. How do I know that it's that it's God leading me? I mean, yeah. yeah, that sounds fun with Annie after I like know, Kevin, I listen to F. that Queen. question. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> I've heard you ask. Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. And I used to always be the guy that when I'd hear people say, "Oh, God told me," yeah. I, you know, just full disclosure, I was the guy that would roll his eyes and go, "I bet he did." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was a Christian, you yeah. know, and, and that was just kind of my. 
But, you know, one of the things that I've seen as I've just continued to walk with God is what Jesus said is true. He said, my sheep know my voice. Mm-hmm. He said, my sheep know my voice. Now, there's a lot of competing voices. There's a lot of competing voices. And so for for me, it is how do I consistently escape the noise of life mm-hmm. so I can hear the voice of my shepherd? Mm-hmm. And he speaks in a lot of different ways, just like my wife talks to me in a lot of different ways. Sometimes a text message. Sometimes she calls me. Sometimes she's mad at me at a party and she just looks at me. Mm-hmm. And like, there's a lot of different ways, you know, Sydney Clayton can communicate with me. Yeah. Um, but all of them are effective. And and you know, the longer we've been together, she, you know, I think about recently she was with one of her friends and she didn't have her phone, and so she picked up her friend's phone and she sent me a text from her friend. Uh huh. And and it said, "Hey, baby," and she's like, "Right." Yeah, yeah. And and I didn't know she left her phone, but yeah. immediately I knew it was Sydney, even though it's coming through her friend's phone because I could recognize her voice even when it's written. Okay. And and I think I think the more we walk with God, we're gonna miss it. We do it in community. We weigh it against the power of Scripture. It takes time. It takes testing. All these things. You know, it's it's not a formulaic um, thing. But as we walk with God and as we ask Him sincerely about the things that He cares about, mm-hmm. it, it is His heart. It is his heart to talk. Yeah. It is his heart to communicate. He's a father. He is not an absentee father. Yeah, that's good. He's not an absentee father. He, he loves us. He knows us. He, he speaks in really very real ways. And I think a lot of times, you, you know, if I'm just being very confessional, even through this whole process, I kept saying, God, give me the plan. And he said, I'm not going to give you the plan because if I, if I give you the roadmap, you'll leave me. Mm. I'm not going to give you the roadmap. I'm going to give you myself. That's it. You take it or leave it. I'll give yeah. you myself. And, and what I found is there's times when he's quiet and I want him to speak. There's times when, you know, he he feels late to the game and yeah. it's only until later I go, whoa, he's right on time. Yeah, you know, that's but, right. And all that stuff, you know, if you're if you're listening and going, yeah, I've heard all that before. I know I've been there. It, it yeah. feels cliche. It yeah. feels, but... Um, it's true, and so yeah, and something I've I know we've we've had conversations about, and that I just see in you is that is carving out just that space to listen, mm-hmm. and listening and listening prayer, you know, in the mm-hmm. scriptures where it talks about, you know, be slow to speak and quick to listen, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes, like we were talking the other day, is like, man, God may be slow to speak until we are quick to listen, yeah, and I heard somebody say, well, spend a you don't have to spend a long time in prayer. Um, just don't go a long time without praying. And I was mm-hmm. like, man, that's really good. But then I started thinking about it. I was like, no, it's those long times of just lingering in prayer. That's really where we are attuned. We become yeah. attuned to his voice. Yeah. And yeah. um, and I think it took me a while to be comfortable with, with calling that prayer. Yeah. Because m- for most of my life, prayer was me talking rather than just sitting and, mm-hmm. and listening. You know, and uh, and it can be hard, especially in our culture, to just sit. Yeah, you know, yeah. but but I see that with you, and then your confidence as you followed those prompts, and then God affirms that. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, that was the voice of God, and so I've seen in you, even through this process, just your confidence in the voice in the voice of God. Oh yeah, and yeah, um, yeah it's just it's inspiring. It's it really is. It's encouraging for me too. So, what's been your favorite story from Awaken Nashville, Kev? Hmm. I, I'm, I've been saying like the most recent one because there's so many. Yeah, there's just so many. Yeah, <laughs> but I do, I do love the love the story of the um, of the guy who um, was in AA, 
uh, with somebody from the church, and uh, and his wife served him divorce papers, and he was just at that crisis. He didn't believe in God, but he called his friend who did, mm-hmm. and uh, and his friend invited mm-hmm. him to church. And he's like, man, there are people who are tatted up and people with holes in it. Oh, this yeah, is out yeah, of yeah. And then he uh, he he went to his friend and he said uh, he said, hey, what are you doing for this fast? And his friend who went to the church said. And I, um, he tells him something that he's doing that, you know, isn't like a biblical. He said, well, I don't think that's what the pastor was talking about. <laughs> he said, he said, I'm going to fast food. And so he fasted food. This guy who's a professed, you know, atheist is saying, I'm going to, I'm going to fast food yeah. and pray for my marriage. And yeah. so he, and the cool story is this guy came up with this idea to put his keys in his boots next to his bed. So he had to get on his knees in the morning that. and pray for that. I and um, that. and he fasted food. And then it was, you know, it was a few days later, his wife comes to him and she says, now remind me why we're getting a divorce. And she's the one who served the papers. Mm-hmm. And so he called his friends back. He's like, I'm not really there yet, like ready to commit to Jesus. But I'm like, he said, I'm close. I'm close. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. good. I'm like, bro, what else do you need? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What other kind of invite you need? Uh, have you heard the story about the woman's engagement ring? No. Oh, listen to this. I think I'll tell this right. You correct me if I'm wrong, Kevin. She loses her, she has like her great-grandmother's ring as her engagement ring. She's married, has kids. She loses it in December and it just looks everywhere. It goes outside, looks in her house, can't find it anywhere. And as the, and just never finds it. And as the fast comes around, as Awaken Nashville starts in January and she's praying, she senses the Lord say, the way you feel about that lost ring is the way I feel about my lost kids. Wow. And, and she's just... <laughs> She, because she's been beside herself because it mattered so much. And so it just it raised the urgency of her praying. She prays the whole month that Sunday comes and her kids find her ring in the Whoa, yard. Oh, no. The last <laughs> day of Awake in <laughs> yes. Nashville, her kids find a ring in the yard. That's like, so get good. home from church. They run out to play and they come in. Is this the ring you've been looking for? Mm. Oh, my God. Won't he do that? I mean, I just was like, I mean, when I heard that one, I went, okay, that's. That's awesome. That's something. That is something. The kingdom of God is like. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's exactly right. And I called Kevin this morning because one of my dearest friends had moved away from Nashville and uh, is and just moved back. And I, and we were just talking this morning and and casual, casual. And he and he says, yeah, when I moved back on Sunday. And I went, oh, you moved back on Sunday. Huh. You moved back the last day of Awake in Nashville. That's not, a, that's not a joke. That's cool. That is. The Lord is bringing people back in mm. every kind of way. And even when I was sitting, I was real late to church yesterday for a thing. And I was sitting in traffic and I said to my friend in the car, I said, I'm annoyed that I'm late. This is on me. I'm annoyed about this traffic, but God's bringing people to this city. Yes. And so we're sitting in traffic with people oh, because God's bringing people back. What do you want to see happen in the next six months? What do you think this has done? You know, I pause because there's some things where I'm going, I'm not sure if I can talk about it yet. Okay, okay. Uh, you don't have to. You know, just because... I'm still sorting them out with the Lord. So there's, sure. there's some things where I go, man, I, I think that's he and I until he gives me the green light. Do that. But what I would say is, you know, what I'm seeing in churches and what I'm seeing in people all across the city is what I hope we see tenfold. And, mm-hmm. and that is, you know, there's this there's this life that's springing up in people. There's this level of intentionality and mission. And, yeah. I feel and, that and, me. And, and thought, yeah, and thoughtfulness. Um, you know, I I walked into a restaurant the other day, and there were there were two guys that were sitting at a table, and they both had their their list of names that they're praying, and they'd show, uh-uh. shown up from different churches individually. Did you know them? No, no, I just saw them there praying, oh and gosh. and so they show up, and they're there on their own, and but they find each other, 
And so now I see, I go, that's what I want to happen in the city. Yeah. Where followers of Jesus are going, hey, we're on the same team. We're on the same mission. There's mm-hmm. people in the city that we care about. And I want to see it happen exponentially, you know, yeah. where... And so, you know, on a general level, um, to see something happen in the church and then to see something happen in the culture, you know, I think, I think apostasy, I think a simple definition of apostasy is when the culture influences the church. Mm-hmm. So the church starts looking more like the culture. I think when you have revival, all of a sudden the culture starts looking like the church, yeah. like the church, the church is the influencer. Yeah. And I go, man, that's what I want to see. I want to see, you know, in the next six months where all of a sudden, you know, the way that uh, we're doing marriage and friendship and finances and the way that we're thinking about art and the way that we're dealing with justice and the way that we're serving the poor and the way that we are spending our free time where the world goes, man, that's the thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that I've been wanting. That's yeah. the where, where our lives become the taste test of heaven. Yeah. Where they go, oh, that's it. That's it. That's the thing I've been trying and uh, but I haven't been able to find out here somewhere. And so... Yeah, that's that's what How I'm How in the world did y'all get 400 churches to agree to this? Did you just cold call? Well, uh, honestly, it was just it was the work of God's Spirit. I mean, mm-hmm. that just, you know, Kevin always says this, and it's so true, you know, unity is our job. Like, like we've got to make the choice to come together, and, and then the Spirit brings a fire, which which is so, so important to me. We, we literally, we sent an email to every single church that we could find in the city, 1,200 emails. Okay. And... And we started asking, and the response, the first, I mean, the first time we, you know, I told Kevin about this, and then the first time we started telling other churches was in the middle of September. Okay. And we're going to roll this out at the beginning of January, which is not a far lead time. Yeah, yeah. We hadn't created any resources at that point. <laughs> we, did, we didn't have a list. Day. <laughs> Listen, we didn't, we didn't create the resources or the list until December. God love you. Just, just I mean, like, so oh, you gracious. think about how it's all pulled together. And I told I told our team of volunteers, I said, hey, first things first, let's see if anybody will say yes before we waste yeah. any energy. Yeah. Let's just see if they say yes. And it was a slow go at first. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, because the number kept creeping up in January. <laughs> yeah. And and then all of a sudden it was like people started mobilizing. Yeah. You know, the vision just started catching on. And, yeah. And so it, it was it was it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, something that I see in Dave is he had been praying for pastors to come into the city. Mm-hmm. And so when pastors came in the city, rather than a spirit of competition, there was a spirit of collaboration, like going, mm. Oh, you're you I've been praying for you. Yeah. And so then even good. as pastors started getting together and praying and that began to grow and we were praying for more pastors. So mm-hmm. there was just an openness so that when we saw somebody else, there was no competition. Like you're the ones we've been mm-hmm. we've been praying for. Yeah. And I think continuing to to bring pastors into that that pastor prayer time where really that was kind of like the white hot core. That became yeah. that incubator. Yeah. Yeah. How often do y'all do that? Uh, once a month. It's okay. the last Wednesday of each month and we meet for an hour. We start at three o'clock and we end at four o'clock and yeah. And uh, and it's it's one of my one of my favorite times mm-hmm. you know, of the week. Yeah. So somebody listening want is a pastor mm-hmm. and he or she wants to wants to start praying with other pastors in a church. What do you do first? Or in the city, what do you do first? Yeah, you know, the most, and it sounds so simple, just find that one person. Find that one pastor, find the one. You know, I think a lot of times as Americans, we tend to think scale. Yeah. And Sydney and I always go, hey, before we need to scale anything, we've got to figure out how to live it out in the smallest spaces. Mm-hmm. So before you're going, hey, how do I get 100 pastors together? I go, are there three? Mm. Are there three that you would go on a double date with? them and their husband or them and their wife is, is, are there three that you could know their kids like yeah and and just start praying and kind of what we found was people sensed that 
the friendship here was genuine. Yeah. Because it is. I mean, it's just, and, and people, people yeah. comment on it and they go, that's kind of weird. And it just, it's so natural. And so mm-hmm. I, I think the, the first spot is, is find, like find somebody that you can run with. But then the next place is in your, in your attempt to build friendship and intimacy, do not be exclusive. Uh, and so it's like, hey, we're going to go deep, but we're going to throw the doors wide open. Yep. And we're going to invite everybody in. Yeah. And and so that I think those two things have been really important as we've thought about how to get pastors together. So someone, a normal like me, mm-hmm. who's not a pastor at a church, but I want my friends to pray for my city. Yeah. What do I do? You know, I think I think there's something to, I mean, grabbing two or, th- I like the two or three. Jesus said, when two or three gather my name, like I'm there with you, I yeah. think two or three may be his preferred size. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> preferred size to start, because with two or three, he can get a word in, mm. you know, where he's like, <laughs> yeah. he's like, now you're listening. And so I think beginning with that two or three, and I, w- I wouldn't hesitate to grab somebody from another church. Yeah. I think I think what that says to to the next person and to the next person and the next person is we're not just building our little K kingdom. We're we're building and we're a part. And that's I remember calling uh, Tom Tanner, mm-hmm. um mentor of ours and when yeah. I was driving up to Nashville and we were coming up for an interview and I said, "Tom, should I feel bad that 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 our draw to Nashville is bigger than Cross Point, that it's revival? Should I feel bad that it's bigger than Cross Point?" You know, with this calling here, he said, yeah. if it's not bigger than Cross Point, then don't go. Mm. Mm. And and so it's always been about revival in the in the city, but finding somebody else. When you talk about revival, people's eyes they either they either glaze over or they well Light up with tears. Yeah, yeah right? That's right. And so it's like You're find right. the people who whose eyes yeah. well up and then pull them to to the core. Yeah. And then and then once that number, once you've got a uh, a big enough group there, two, three, four, five, then start you can start adding other people and infect with them with that passion mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. well. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's something like, okay, this month y'all could do that. Anybody could do that. Get oh. two people to from get two people you know from another church in your city and y'all just pray. Just get together and pray one time. Yes. And see what happens yes. and see what goes to the next thing. Because this is, I, I think, an important thing for people to hear is Awaken Nashville wasn't an idea you had yesterday that you implemented today. Yeah. It's been a couple of years of you, and it started because you wanted pastors to be united. Mm-hmm. And then in that, like you said, the white hotness of that, we all got invited in. So I think that is a really important thing for people to adopt for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah I thought you had more than that. I was like, yes, Dave, go. No, I, I just, <laughs> that's great. Good, good, Annie. Kevin, what do you want to see in the city after this? After Awaken Nashville, that Jesus would be the most famous name in this town. Yeah, me too. I wish I would have said that. (laughs) Your answer was right too. No. Okay. Is there any way you can edit his answer Uh onto your? Yes, and put that after. Got it. After got it. Got when it. When you ask me, yeah, I, and, then and then what I'm going to say is that Jesus would be the most famous person in this town. Okay, got it. We, I'm sure we can handle all that. <laughs> that's that's it. I'm, that's it. Seriously, oh I'm like, I'm like that is it. That's it. Yeah, that's it. I mean, the thing that I keep, you know, when this angst for revival started bubbling up in me years ago, I thought, man, church is working, because it, it was. Yeah, and it, man, it's awesome. And then I just kept I kept being reminded, you know, I'm like, there's going to be a day where this church will close, mm-hmm. period. Every church that's ever been planted has shut down. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will. Um, uh, on a biological level, like in my family, 
my own family will forget my name at some point. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, man, how many people know their great, great grandmother's names or whatever? It's like your own family, your, your church will shut down. You're, you'll be forgotten, which sounds so depressing, but the name of Jesus will last forever. Yeah. That's, you know, and I go, man, I go, let's just spend our whole life, our whole life pointing to, building up, lifting up the only name, mm-hmm. the only name. <laughs> I'm like, that's it, man. That's the best. That's a great answer. So for someone listening who doesn't know Jesus, why does he matter this much? Why would he make 40,000 people fast and pray and why do we care that our city know who knows who he is? Yeah, man, you know, if I could just sit down at a table with you, you know, if you don't know the Lord, and maybe you've heard all the right answers, but I go, had you been the only person ever born, the only person who ever lived, Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. he would have left the comfort of heaven. He would have stooped into the brokenness of earth. He would have walked the earth for 33 years. He would have... He would have taken every poor decision, every moment of heartache. He would have, he would have taken every bad choice and sense of selfishness. He would have put on his shoulders. He would have willingly crawled on a cross and died for you. Yeah. And I go, nobody loves you like that. Yeah. Nobody loves you like that. And and it, it, it's amazing to me when I go, um, I am one of the most truly, and this isn't self-deprecating. It's like. I am so unimportant. Like, in the, it's like I couldn't get the mayor of our town on the phone. Like, right. you know, I, I mean, nobody knows me. It's like I'm not a very, but the God of the universe, mm. the God of the universe says, hey, I'm not going to outsource this mission. Yeah. Like, when I was stuck, he didn't send a messenger. Yeah. He didn't send a letter. He didn't send me some instructions. He came. Yeah. He came. You know, and I was thinking about, Remember last year, the, the soccer team in Thailand, they got stuck in the cave? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, that like crazy rescue mission, which was just amazing, and watching them rescue those kids. But I go, what would have happened if the president of Thailand would have gotten in the cave? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I go, that's the gospel. Mm. Yeah. I go, right. and I go, man, you, you, it's like, yeah, just to, man, to the non-Christian, like, man, God loves you so much. He's, he's, he's stirring his kids up saying, yeah. every person matters. Yeah. Every, every person matters. And yeah. So I didn't mean to get preachy. I just no. That's not no. That's the answer to the question. That's not preachy. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, anyone who will do a search and rescue mission like this Mm. uh, is just loves us more than we could ever know. Mm. Yeah, man. What do you think? He's changed my life. Yeah. Like when I was growing up, it was like get to know Jesus because you go to heaven when you die. Yeah. Like get to know Jesus, pray a prayer, and you'll you'll like go up there. Yeah, <laughs> right. literally up. And, you'll go and, up. Yeah. And so and so I was like, yeah, I want I want that because I don't want to go down there. Right. I don't want right, to go right. to hell. Right. You know? But then the more that I've known him, I've found he's right about everything. Yep. His teaching. He's the master teacher. He's just right about the way things really are. And out of his love for me, he's changing me from the inside out. I used yeah. to think it was like, do certain things, and then that way you'll be different. Mm. But like an outside in, a, a management of behavior, but he's changing what really matters to me in my heart. Yeah. So it's from the inside out, and I'm a different person. Um, I'm more who I was created to be today than I was back then yeah. because of because of Jesus. Yeah. And uh, and, and I, I, I really 
don't even want to imagine where I'd be today if it wasn't without that rescue. And then, but he doesn't just stop at the rescue, right? Mm-hmm. He just continues to remake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He says, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Yeah. And being made new, and being made new, and being made new is a daily thing. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's 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 the most important relationship, you know. Yeah. I'm alive. So one day we'll get up there. Yeah. But until then, oh, he brings up there down here. Yeah. In our hearts. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. good. This month has felt like we have gotten to see God do things in our city that we couldn't have. Mm-hmm. And it didn't even, we, we're just getting started. I mean, the yeah. thing we keep hearing over and over again is like, that wasn't the finish line. Mm-hmm. And I think an important a conversation that I was a part of as well, an important part of a fasting and praying like this is remembering that you're going to be different at the end for sure. But these, there's different kinds of fast. And this kind of fast is a, you're making bank deposits every day yes. for God to withdraw later mm. yes. or for God to withdraw now. And we just don't see it. Mm. It is different than when you're fasting for revelation or when you're fasting for healing or when you're fasting because you need something to change. Mm-hmm. The, and so I think I had a friend say, I just, I don't know that I feel any different. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you, you just made a deposit every day. Mm-hmm. When we fast together like this, we're just going, you're making a deposit, so am I. Mm. You're making a deposit, so am I. And, and so that God doesn't miss anybody. Mm. Yeah. We get to make a deposit to be a part of him pursuing every person in this city. I just think he may have moved me here for this. Mm. You know? Like I think I think God gave me like a 10-year runway before Kevin got here. <laughs> like I had to just come and get settled for a whole decade and then we could run. Yeah. And I um And Annie, I want to commend you because as a pastor, I think um, a question deep down inside that we ask, like, is anybody with me? Like, I think this is what God wants us to do, but is anybody with me on this? And um, and Annie, as a a volunteer and as Mm -hmm. just as somebody who loves the church, but there's just great courage that even as pastors, we draw from people who go, yeah, I'm... I'm in, and not just I'm in with you, but I'm in with what Jesus is doing here. So I would just, uh, I just want to hold up and honor that because there are other people listening who are part of church. He's like, what can I do you know, at the church? I mean, when there are things like this that that seem like it's like God's agenda, go all in. Yeah. And it doesn't just help other people around you. Um, really, I think it moves forward the vision mm. of what God is doing, and it's an encouragement to, to the pastor or to your leader to know, man... I'm not alone in this. Yeah. Um, we're in this together. Good. Yeah. I'm so glad y'all feel that way. Well, yeah. you're welcome. That is true. Okay. What did we not say that we need to say? If you want to get your city praying and you don't know how, just reach out to us. I mean it. Okay. What does that look like? How do we reach out? Uh, is sure. there a contact page on Awaken Nashville? Just send me an email. Dave Clayton, my words. I know. I'm Freddie, just t- I can't. I, I can't do that to you. <laughs> I can't do that to you. Listen, I don't have an administrative assistant. I don't, it's like You don't? No. So, oh, I'm, so I'm just saying, I hey. Can't. It, His so, email is Annie at Annie, <laughs> because I do. And I'll, no, I'm just kidding. Um, okay, Dave, for real, you, you want people to email you? Yeah, if, listen. Okay. I, I go, if, if, you want to, if you want to try this, shoot me an email. Dave Clayton at awakennashville.com. Okay. Just, just send me an email. And uh, depending on how many of you email me, it's going to be a while before I get back. And, yeah. uh, and we're, yeah. we're going to take this next little season and say, hey, God, what do you want to do? But but yeah. we'll, we'll get back. And, yeah. and, okay. And we, and we want to see God. We want to see God move across the country yeah. and across the world. And so, you know, we had some of our global pastors in with us last week from all over. And and uh, they said, hey, next year we're doing Awaken Kenya and we're doing yeah. Awaken Uganda and Awaken yeah. Denmark. And 
And I'm like, we want to help. And, and we don't exactly know what that looks like, but reach out. Yeah. So. And while you're waiting on Dave to respond to you, get two friends from two other churches yeah. and just start praying. Yeah, yeah. and go to awakennashville.com, download the resources that'll help yeah. you get going. Yeah. Kev, will you tell the story? One thing I want us to acknowledge, and you actually led me there, Dave, is that long before Awaken, there were people praying for Nashville. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite things was on Monday night, you did a gathering. Y'all hosted a gathering of leaders across our city who led churches and have been praying. And you had them stand up based on, have you served in Nashville 10 years, 20 years, 30 years? Why'd you do that? And what did we see? You know, in many ways, I feel like the, the worker that was late to the vineyard. Right. I mean, I just, I think there's an unprecedented harvest that's around the corner. And I, and I just got to town 18 months ago. Yeah. And I just, I'm well aware that, um, that there have been decades of prayer yeah. for revival. And so it's, it was one of those moments where I'm looking around the room and I'm going, there are people who are, um, who have been around for a long time. People who have white hair. Yeah. And, uh, and people who, who just have callous knees, you know, and calloused hands from serving. And so I just, I thought, um, I'd love to be able to see how long people have been here. And so I said, yeah. hey, if you've been in the city pastoring over 10 years stand and over 20 and over 30 and over 40, and at that moment there were two men standing. Yeah. And, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I couldn't believe there were two who'd been here for over 40 years as pastors. One named Phil, one named Don. Yeah. And, uh, and I said over 50 stand, and Phil sat down. And I had these drum um, kind of mallets, these yeah. antique drum mallets, and on there had uh, had somebody who has great, you know, him and Shep write the word revival. Not me. Not, yeah, yeah, not yeah. me. So, they're like, can somebody help me know yeah. what this is? But it says revival on it. And uh, and so I had um, had two of those. Just ha just so happened to have two. Yeah. And I was able to give both of those men one of those. Uh, just in our heart, Dave and I, our heart for them, and the reason we did it was we want to say thank you for banging the drum mm -hmm. for revival mm -hmm. for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And yeah. what we're experiencing right now is the fruit mm -hmm. of, uh, of seed that you've been sowing yes. for decades. Yeah. I think that's important for us as we, for any of my friends that are listening that start praying for their city, that start seeing changes. I bet someone's been praying for your city. Mm. I bet there have been people for decades and for generations. And so if they are still alive, can you honor them? Mm. Because that's how I feel about Dale, Pastor Dale. And I, I saw him. I mean, I found him. Were you there Monday night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was there. Hey, hey, I didn't get to see you. You were very popular, Dave Clayton. Everybody wants to talk to Dave Clayton. I just was in the back. Um, but it was awesome. Were you was, sitting near Dale? Did you get to hang with him? No, no, no. I found him. Oh, gotcha. I went and found him. And I just said, hey, I know how long you've been doing this. And I just want you to know that I recognize that we are reaping what you have sown. Yes. And that when God tallies all this up, it ain't going to be about me. Mm. It's going to be about Jesus. But when God tallies all this up, Dale's 25 plus years of praying will, will be a marker that matters. Mm -hmm. And we're getting to come in and be a part of it at the end. I, and so I just I, so I wanted cool. us to recognize that for people that that we are getting to do something. When you get to start praying for your city, you are getting to do something that someone else sewed in mm -hmm. already. Um, if y'all wouldn't mind, I would. I think it would just uh, matter a lot. Could y'all just pray for us as we go? I just want us to pray for the cities and pray for the people who want this to be a part of their lives. Okay, you go first. Okay. So, Father, I, I pray that... Um, I pray that you would give gospel friendships. Yeah. I just want to start there. I thank you for the friend that Dave has been to me, and I pray that we would be a friend to others like that. 
God, would you give friendships and relationships that are that are bigger than our lives that stretch into eternity? God, would you would you birth in the heart of each person listening a burden for revival? For revival in their in their own lives and in their homes, would you help them see those pictures of what it looks like? Would you would you would you inspire their imagination to dream with you? And then, God, I pray that um, that they begin to see those dreams come to life. Yeah. I pray, God, that you would inspire a vision of what revival looks like in their city, in their churches, and uh, and God, that from that. Um, from that vision, Lord, that you would help them collect a couple people and that you would, you'd help them identify. You just highlight who those people are and that you would bring those groups together. And God, I pray that the moment they get together, the two or three, that your spirit would fall yeah. in power. And they just know this is not a normal gathering. This is on God's agenda. It's on their agenda. It's on your agenda, Lord. I pray that they would just know it. They would sense it. They would feel it in that moment, and they would see you move. And we pray that that from those meetings, that these pockets of awakening would begin and would continue. And uh, and so, Father, we just um, we thank you for what you're doing, and thank you what you've done. And we just we just pray, Lord, that um, that God, we would be able to sow seed for the next great awakening. Father, thank you for what you're doing in the city. And we just we recognize that uh, you've been at work for way before any of us lived here. Um, yeah, you have you've been moving throughout human history, and God, you've been working in the secret places. You've been working in little churches that nobody's ever heard of. You've been working in living rooms of a, a single mom that's just been praying for years. You've been working in so many ways, God. And we just acknowledge that. And God, I would say, would you? Would you bring to fruition in our day, in our time? Mm. Um, would you bring to fruition the answers to those prayers, God? Yeah. Would you, would you move in an incredible way, um, in not just the city of Nashville, but I'd say for every person that's listening right now, God, would you just, would you awaken their cities? Would you awaken yeah. uh, pastors and leaders and uh, churches and communities? Would you, would you awaken the prayer warriors? And God, would yeah. you bring revival? Uh, God, I ask that you would so radically shift the spiritual landscape of our cities, of our homes, of our churches, of our nation, that the world would have to take notice and that mm-hmm. it would happen in such a way that no man or woman could ever get credit for it, right. um, that it would be you and you alone, that the only logistical possibility would be that there is someone hearing these prayers and responding. And Jesus, would you make yourself known um, in, in really powerful ways mm-hmm. uh, across our city and across the country? We love you. Thank you for being real. Thank you for listening. Thank you for speaking. Thank you for walking with us. Thank you for your patience. Um, thank you for just how immeasurably good you are. And mm-hmm. uh, would you just encourage and bless each person that would even just give up time to listen to a podcast like this? Mm-hmm. And then would you help them be a prayer? Help them to pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Okay, you heard him say it. Dave said it. If you want more information, if you want to do this in your city, email him, Clayton at awakennashville.com. You can just go straight to him and tell him you're interested. And as he said, give him a little bit of grace as he answers all the emails that come in from this. And listen, if, if you have a friend in a different city that you know wants to see God move in their city, send them this conversation. 
Let's get this idea spreading around the world. I'd like, I almost said our country, and I'm like, you know what? Forget that. Let's just, let's get people praying in their city. Whatever city you live in, is there one person you could send this podcast to? Or maybe two people, like we talked about. Are there two people you could send this conversation to and say, hey, would you do this with me? Would you pray for our city with me? This is a great way to start that conversation. So why don't you share this with your friends? Maybe share it with your pastor. Share it with some people that you know want to see God move in your city. As always, if there's anything I can do for you, I'm Annie F. Downs. I'm embarrassingly easy to find all over the place. And man, while I love having this podcast to tell you about my friends, introduce you to my friends, days like today really matter to me too, where we get to share an idea, share a message, share an invitation to something bigger than us. So I hope you enjoyed today's show. Y'all go out and do something that sounds fun to you and I will do the same and we will see you soon.